Hosting for this podcast is generously provided by Transistor at Transistor.fm. You are listening to Storygram Podcast Network. It's the same in the whole entire world. Why can't I be just like it seems? Because every day is Halloween. That's right. We are back. It is Gothtober once again, and we'll always be here for Gothtober, regardless what you think. (laughs) Because it is the most important time. Holiday of the year. Definitely. I am Takeshi. With me, I have Santos. Today, we are going to talk about something new and something legendary. Well, actually, you know what? Both very iconic because, let's put it this way, the Adams family has been around forever, right? So Wednesday is just like a variation or kind of a side story of it. I mean, Adams family is the OG of all goth, if you want to put it there. <laughs> I mean, it's been around since like what, 1938 or something. When did it start? The comic, the comic started on the New Yorker uh, between 1938 and it went on till wow. at least 1988 or so. I did not know that. I didn't know it was that far back. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been around forever. Charles Adams, who was the creator of it, he's born the same day as I am, uh, January 7th, 1912. But he's an amazing artist and creator, and I'm sure you'd appreciate this uh, side story. Of course. We'll have to post some of the comics. Yeah, they're pretty cool. And 
the funny thing is that there was the Adams family and then there was the Munsters. The Munsters was funny too. I dug it, but the Adams family was always the one. Yes, definitely. <laughs> it was so good. I think I liked it better, I would say. Yeah. Well, back in the, what, the 80s and 90s, they had just put it on replay in a sense. And then they even had some cartoons of it. And the series or the movies? The series. It yeah. always played. And then, of course, the movies that came out in the 90s were pretty legendary, too. I think it was just called The Adams Family with Raul Julia. And then I think the other one was called Adams Family Values, but I think so. They just call it the New Adams Family, but I think it was Family Values or something. Oh yeah, ninety three Family Values. There you go. <laughs> and then they had like a they're trying to reboot it. Well, there was called the New Adams Family, which I guess just the bed. It just didn't do well. Was it different actors or was it a cartoon? Yeah, definitely different actors. That was probably the one that just didn't do much at all and then according to wikipedia the making of this thing which is i guess at first it was supposed to be a stop motion thing produced by tim burton of course mm, that makes sense. but it kind of fell apart because they wanted to do more computer generated stuff and he was very very adamant about doing stop motion mm-hmm. which I think would have been pretty cool. Definitely. That was in 2013. So it was an Adams Family kind of variation, not Wednesday. They probably didn't want to put the budget into it because that art form takes forever. Yeah. <laughs> Going like, what, 24 frames a second. I'll give Nightmare Before Christmas and some credit. <laughs> <laughs> the art is amazing. Yes, it is. That would be cool to do an Adams Family in that style, though. Yeah, totally. I think he did James and Giant Peach, Nightmare Before Christmas in that style, and then I can't remember the other name. The other one, uh, it's killing me. Is it the Frankenweenie one? Was it Franken? No, there was another one. But there was one right with the dog. Yeah, and- yeah. Frankenweenie actually was an older script, one of his first scripts and first short films he ever did, and then he touched it up and released the movie. Okay. I... Don't know how I actually remember that, but... (laughs) (laughs) Hooray. (laughs) Nice work, memory. (laughs) Wednesday. It's actually pretty current. It came out, what, last year? So November 23rd, 2022 on Netflix. It was a Tim Burton production. So I guess some other company, I can't remember the name of it right now. Let me look. They got the rights to it. And then Alfred Go and Miles Miller sent the script ideas to Tim Burton, and he really was interested, and so he went forward with the project. But it had to go through like a couple different hands at first before they obtained the rights to it, which is always hard <laughs> to get the rights to a movie, something like this. So it is eight episodes. They're going to have a second season. Production companies is MGM Television and Miller Go Inc. And of course, we talked about Tim Burton. He's doing the production and he directed some of the episodes, not all of them. The first couple, yeah, you could definitely tell he did it. Yeah, it's a good kickoff to the season. Yeah, there's a ton of producers. I don't want to go through the whole entire list. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
of course he got Danny Elfman to do the soundtrack and yeah, it would not be a Tim Burton movie without Denny Elfman. Of course. <laughs> and then uh, Chris Bacon, too. I didn't know if, at first, if it sounded like Denny Elfman, but I didn't know because I, well, I figured, oh, it's a smaller production. I'm not sure if he's going to have him do it or not. And But you could tell he did. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. Okay, so let's go through kind of the critical reception, too, because it, last year it was one of the top Netflix films or series that took over like Stranger Things and their other one too. I can't remember the name of it. Wow. So that's why they totally greenlit <laughs> a uh, second season. They're like, Is it going to come out around the same time? Like November? You know what? I don't know. Let's look. I hope so. They don't know yet. Is it stopped because of the strikes? <laughs> you know what? You're probably right. So what's going to put a little X on that? Nothing's coming out. Yeah, nothing's coming Next. out. Fair enough. And I think it's going to be coming out. <laughs> Don't let your AI make your scripts. Netflix. No. <laughs> say no. Just say no. We're pushing back AI. <laughs> the industry. Okay. So we're not sure when it will come out. Well, hopefully soon. Hopefully soon. And hopefully the writers get what they deserve. Well, it's just because it's funny that it comes out in November because it's very like I watched it for Thanksgiving and there's a lot of pilgrim stuff going on. Oh, that's so true. If you think of the first, like, was it the second movie? What about the movie? Adam's Family movie where they do the play about Thanksgiving or is it the first? I think it's the second one. Okay. It's amazing. So Wednesday is in this. Anyways, the kids are in a play about Thanksgiving and Wednesday does this whole speech and like, is this like anti-pilgrim? It's really great. It's like such a great scene. I'll have to check it out. So anyway, so it was funny to see that theme brought back into the new Wednesday. Like it really took from... And you were saying it pretty much continued right off of the second movie, right? No, I don't think so because... She's just getting kicked out of yeah, our schools, yeah, right? Yeah, that's Is the that whole like entire the thing. thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So I don't want to really spoil it too much, even though I feel like everybody's seen it. Maybe we'll... Everyone saw it. How are we not supposed to talk about some of it, though? Well, yeah, you're right. So we go over the first episode like we usually do and then kind of do hints here and there. Maybe. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe. We'll see. So do you want to go over the first episode or you want to go over do you, do you want to start or do you want me to start it you start uh, okay <laughs> <laughs> we can piece it together we can piece it together all right sounds good so let's go from the beginning it starts off with kind of like pugsley getting beat up or wednesday finds him in the locker and she's like i'm the only one that could pretty much torture you and so she starts getting visions of who hurt him or put through him in the locker. And so she went to get revenge. And it was someone that was in the swim team. Is it swimming soccer or swim team or water polo? Water polo. That's swimming soccer. Uh, <laughs> water polo. <laughs> She's like, I'm the only one that could torture Pugsley. And she threw some piranhas in the pool. Mm-hmm. And that guy was a very popular person and an athlete, and he lost um, a testicle. <laughs> and she got expelled again. Yeah. And so she was allowed to go to pretty much one more school, and they weren't going to press charges on her. 
she ends up going to Nevermore High School, the same exact high school that her mom and dad met. Oh, yes. It's like a boarding school. It's a boarding school. And it's a school for freaks, pretty much. And she doesn't want to go at all. She hates it completely because she doesn't want to fall in her mother's footsteps. Yeah, her and her mom are having some beef. I think that's just the way they always are. Yeah. I wasn't sure. I can't remember from the movies. I feel like she's a teenager now and in the movies she was younger. So maybe it didn't feel the same way as teenage angst. Angsty. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I guess you're right. Teenage angst is always there. And of course she's miserable, but it seems like she always kind of knew that she was going to end up there or something. And the worst part is too, was that the principal used to be in Morticia's class too. And they were roommates. I love that actress. Oh yeah. She's amazing. Anyway. So the casting is just brilliant. Having Catherine Zeta Jones as Morticia is so amazing. I would have never guessed her to be a good Morticia ever. And then Gomez, he's pretty funny too. A little bit heavier set than the other ones. Well, I think they modeled the casting after the comics more than they did the movies. Really? I think in the movies they made his character a little bit more handsome. I think he just aged or something. Because it looks like... (laughs) I just feel like it looks more like the comics than... Oh, yeah. He is a little bit bigger in the comics. You're right. All right. I'll go with that. Yeah. I figured it was just because, like, from the movies, he was Royal Julia. Not Royal Julia. Was it Royal Julia? Julia? But I figured he just aged along. I mean, it's like maybe like eight years. (laughs) I didn't think that. It just is like, oh, I think they modeled it more after the comics. The principal is Gwendolyn Christie. Great actress. So I just wanted to shout her out because she did a really great job. And I also really liked her. And she plays Satan in Sandman. (laughs) She's awesome. And then, of course, we have to mention Wednesday, Jenna Ortega, who is... Yeah, everyone's excellently cast. Now she's like a superstar. Yes, it's very much launched her. Because Wednesday is such an iconic character. Yeah, and she did an excellent job. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is the person who played Wednesday before, Christina Ricci, she modeled her Wednesday off of the girl in Beetlejuice. Oh, Winona Ryder? Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, so everything, it's all connected and yeah. stuff. And- That's just like that. So it's Wednesday's an iconic character, and I think Ortega definitely brought it <laughs> and did a great job. Everybody did really good. There was not a character that I could really complain about. Let's go forward with the storyline, though. Or not, whatever. She's at the school. We won't get into it. Like, overarching, it's a mystery. Well, we could get into that. So she's always trying to plan a way to escape because she does not want to fall in her mother's footsteps or anything. But then something happens. Like, a murder happens. And there's been like a serial killer that nobody knows who it is or what it is. Some people are saying it's a bear. Some people are saying it's just the person. Well, she witnesses it. And so now her brilliant mind in a way, because she's really good at everything. She's obsessed 
with murder too. She now wants to figure out who this murderer is. Because isn't it like the town doesn't like the school? Yeah, there's a lot of different little things here and there. There's like all that is set up to like, oh, those kids are freaks and it's probably one of them and all this stuff, right? So, and then there's the Pilgrim World (laughs) as well. It's like the other location. (laughs) So. So instead of leaving, which she could have, and escapes, she chooses to stay instead just to find out who the murderer is. So it kind of becomes like along the line of a Scooby-Doo kind of vibe to it in a way. Yes. Murder mystery teenagers try to solve this. I do want to shout out her roommate, though. They roomed her with... um, Her roommate is so funny. Enid. Enid Sinclair, who's a werewolf. Who never wolfed out. <laughs> yes, who is waiting? Like, yeah, it's like struggling. And what's great about them is like they're very opposites attract or odd couple. Like Wednesday's goth and dark and black, you know, kind of aesthetic. And then Enid is colorful. Like she's blonde. She wears pink. Just really joyful, very positive. So of course, Wednesday's pretty antagonistic at first. Their relationship's pretty bad. <laughs> It seems like basically she really doesn't give a f- but then at the same time she does kind of bend and try to communicate with people and try to be nice. And she does find her own in a way. She has a roommate and the beekeeper guy who is so Oh yeah. Like she, she kind does of have her is, friends and Yeah, an outcast within this school. Yeah, Eugene is his name, is the beekeeper. Yeah. Oh, well, you did bring up Christina Ricci, and she is also in this as a teacher. (laughs) So just for those people who loved Christina Ricci as Wednesday, she is in Wednesday. (laughs) Yeah. And one of the reasons why I don't really want to spoil it, I'm going to... Well, I just wanted to just throw that out and that there's just lots of different kinds of creature-y teenagers. There's like a siren and a gorgon and what a vampire. So you get like all these different kind of monstery types all together. Yeah. Because of the the school that she's at, it definitely has all these crazy uh, different types of monsters and everything. And then they're all going through teenage stuff. So fighting with their parents, not living up to expectations, crushes, all of it. It's all there still. <laughs> so. Right. And one of the reasons why I didn't want to spoil it, that it's hard to watch a second time because you already know what happens. <laughs> yeah, so we'll keep it high level. But I just wanted to give the themes. Like there's like teenage themes in here. There's like the monsters. And also one of my favorite characters, Thing, is in this predominantly. So good. <laughs> it's filmed, like the costuming's amazing and the makeup's great. And yeah. Oh, and what's the uncle? Uncle Fester's in it too. Yeah, he makes an appearance. It was filmed in, I think, Romania, if I remember right. Southern Catherine town in Bustini, Romania. Kind of like this weird little small town to it. There is a lot of politics between the academy and the town because it is a strange little pilgrim town. And it's founded by this guy named Joseph Crackstone. And he is this kind of captivating guy, to say the least, because he's definitely somebody that believed that there was witches. He ended up doing some really evil things to 
some people. Like, he would kill them. Witch trials, per se. So, I don't know. I really recommend it. I thought it was well done. It's super fun. I think it's a great addition to the Adams Family art, you know, collection as it grows, like, from the comics to the TV shows to the movies. I think this is great. Definitely. It's fun. I do love the Tim Burton movie references in there. There's, like... These small little things, even there's like movie references in there in general of some horror films. Like there's a reference from Christine and Sleepy Hollow and then the canoe race. They had the black cats and the Jokers. Tim Burton directed the first two Batman movies in the 90s and stuff, which was hilarious. No, there's a lot of fun stuff woven in. So At first I didn't agree with the cello cover. I know you didn't like that, but I liked it. Painted Black by the Rolling Stones. I didn't like the Nothing Else Matters ones, but I'll just go with that. I just like that she played the cello, I think. So (laughs) that's my bias is like, I'm like, ooh, a cello player. (laughs) And the funny thing is, is she took cello lessons to like actually get the positioning right. And so she was pretty obsessed with that part of it. Of course, she didn't play the cello for the actual recording, but... (laughs) She did get the positioning right, and she still plays cello to this day, which is pretty oh, nice. cool. <laughs> she picked up her own love for music. Also. Yeah, for the cello in general. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with another season, because I don't know. I don't even mean. I don't know if I need another season. Like It was really good, and it was really fun to visit. So I just don't want it to become just like a teen drama. Because I like the campiness of the Adams family, and I don't want it to lose that. Maybe it's going to be just more camp and less murder mystery. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm excited for it. We'll see which way it, direction it turns. I like the "Don't worry, be happy" song in there. I was just kind of littered in there, and then some of the lines are so funny. I wrote one down where she was like, "I don't know who Etsy is, but I doubt she was an outcast settler." <laughs> That just you should definitely check it out. I guess we could call it here because we can't really rent much else. Yeah, on Netflix still. Watch it once. (laughs) (laughs) You you don't like watching if you already know what happened. So it's a definite hard watch. Some people like to just rewatch things though. Yeah, I mean, I watched. Three episodes last night. I made it halfway through. And the ending is good, but it kind of does drag, if I remember right. And I remember Bart being like, what happened by episode five? And I think that's when the directors changed. Oh, <laughs> right. Like, like there's a noticeable shift in how it's directed and everything. So I think Tim Burton like started it off and then it started changing directors. Yeah. So you might notice a shift too. Yeah, there might be that, but I just didn't really... Okay, here's one complaint. Let's just do a complaint here. My biggest complaint is that like, she does kind of... Is very forceful, and she believes she's always right on certain things. And it's just like, pro. It's true. It's a lot of lessons of that. Once she thinks she knows something, she just won't let in any other opinion or idea or way to do something. It's just like, nope, this is it. And and then it's like, we'll see if that works out for you or not. Yeah, she's pretty determined and stubborn. And it's not to save lives or anything. It's just to prove that she was right. 
Yeah. <laughs> she's not the easiest to get along with. She's not the the most lovable character for sure. Right. So there's that. <laughs> yeah. So um <laughs> <laughs> That's my biggest complaint about the whole entire thing. No, I know it's Keshi's biggest complaint was is the, the sound. sound. Okay, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna rebut that a little bit, but it's because the intro. I've listened to it three times, four times now, and uh, on my mom and dad's system, it was really hard to hear the dialogue in the first couple episodes. I mean, really tough, and I realized it's because of the panning. It going left and right, and then um, Gomez he sounded awful in the first episode, and at times it's just a little off putting of like they're in one thing and then they move maybe into the next room and it sounds completely different. Like there's a little bit of inconsistency in there, to say the least. But I kind of adjusted to it. But yeah, definitely Gomez was the one. I was like, oh god, he sounds really really bad. Usually you have to hide like a microphone for men like underneath their shirt or like somewhere. And it definitely had that sound. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I felt the pain, I guess. Other than that. <laughs> Other than that, it's good. So if you notice that, you're not alone. Because <laughs> Takeshi noticed If you it. have really, really speakers then i'm sorry you're gonna have to turn it up get Get ready ready. (laughs) (laughs) you're warned (laughs) all right so we'll be right back storygram network hello welcome to one media one media i'm your host takeshi and with me i have santos and we take two pieces of media and we take a deep dive on them kind of we just talk about it kind of Hi, my name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. So it's not about food, and it's not about weight. What is it about? It's the intersection of possibility, where what-ifs and why-nots collide. Some on the cutting edge, others on the cutting room floor. It's a place I like to call The Bleed. We That's right. We're back and we're going to talk about, I guess, one of the most legendary goth bands, even though they wouldn't want to be uh, labeled as goth. Really? Yeah. Because they're like more like pop music. Well, no, it's just like they don't want to be pigeonholed or whatever they call it. Is it pigeonholed? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Into that genre, even though they started that whole entire look. Yeah, they inspired. The genre. <laughs> we're talking about Susie and the Banshees, and we're going to talk about Juju. It's just fun. We wanted to kick off Gothtober with like a legendary classic album. Yes. And I'm surprised we didn't cover Susie and the Banshees before. I mean, this is our, what, fourth annual? You're right. Oh, I know. I am sure people were yelling the last ones. Like, why did you listen to this terrible other band? And... But we were trying to expand and look around. So now we're kicking off with Susie. (laughs) So it was released 
June 19th of 1981. It was recorded at Studio Surrey Sound in Leatherhead, Surrey. I don't know where it is. Is it in England? I guess. <laughs> it was produced by Nigel Gray. And if I, I, I looked something up, he produced like... Um, I pull, let me look, hold on. Let me look really quick. He produced some pretty interesting albums. Hold on here, and that's how they kind of got more of their sound here. Is this their first album? No, it's not. It's their fourth album. Okay, so he's helped out with the Police, Paul Brady, The Passions, Hazel O'Connor, The Work, Two People, Wishbone Ash, Tank. I thought he helped out with some other people, but. So the big one's definitely The Police and, I think, Susie and the Banshees. They all sound pretty interesting, though. The Lotus Eaters. Ah, <laughs> yeah. We'll have to check out the other bands he's produced. Yeah, definitely. So the album before this was Kaleidoscope, which 1980. And then their first album, I'm going to want to say, was The Scream. And then Join Hands to Kaleidoscope to Juju. Okay, so Susan the Banshees is one of those bands that always has kind of a revolving door of musicians for guitarists in general. So I guess what happened was there is these two other band members because it was a four-piece. And who started the whole thing? So it was... Okay, this is the funny thing. It was Susie Sue, Sid Vicious... <laughs> and uh, Steven Searin. And there was one more. I can't remember the person's name right now. They've had a lot of drummers too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so they had this one show where they were actually supporting the Sex Pistols. So they've been around that long. And so I heard they played an extended version of one song for about 30 minutes. And she figured that like they'd play until they got booed off the stage and that never happened. <laughs> but they did break up after that. And then they had a new formation with Susie Sue, Steven Siren, and then God, I wish I had like a better a list of their band members. Yeah. Because it's kind of what happened. So they did two albums and one of them had one of them had Hong Kong Garden in it. I think that was on the Scream. That was their first single, definitely. And what happened was in like 1979 or whatever, two of the band members did an album signing at some record store. That's who it was. It was Morrison McKay. They just left. So parts of The Cure had to go fill in for them and they did an extended version of a song with them. Oh. So that's the first time that Robert Smith sat in with them. Okay. They went through the last part of the tour with Robert Smith, and then Smith returned to The Cure. During that time, they were looking for a different guitarist. The drummer named Budgie, I think, also joined the band. Mm -hmm. Didn't he write a lot of the music? Who? Budgie. Yeah, he's this crazy drummer. Okay. And then when they got this guitarist, his name it was John McGow, but that's what formed this variation of the Susie and the Banshees that we're going to be talking about more because okay. that's where they started Kaleidoscope. Okay. 
And then he stayed with him for, I think, but I guess during a point he was so because he thought they were playing one song live, but they were playing a completely different song. So they had to kick him out of the band. But Susie said he was the most brilliant guitarist they've ever had in the band because she would just say, oh, play something like this. And he'd be able to create something really crazy. Wow. And the funny thing is, is during this time in like, you know, the 80s and late 70s, they're inspiring these other bands like Joy Division, Bauhaus and The Cure. Like they kind of caught on to what they were doing. And when Susie actually first made it on the TV, she had like this dyed black hair, this heavy eyeshadow, and this crazy eyeliner. That's where it all started, was from her. <laughs> and the most thing, too, is like they wouldn't get signed because they had a female lead. Oh. At first. Wow. With the scream and the record labels wouldn't sign them. And also like she was wearing some offensive thing. Like she had a swastika armband, mm-hmm. but she said, I was just trying to be as offensive as possible. And she was a teenager. So what do you expect? <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't like really supporting it, but she was just trying to like really. Yeah. Just be shocking, like to be as shocking as possible. Yeah. And that's what the very first variation of the Banshees was with, with Sid Vicious and everything it was just to be super offensive and punk rock and everything. Mm-hmm. It's believed that Susie and the Banshees was the very first post-punk too, which is pretty incredible when you think about that. Yeah. Juju. <laughs> Juju is a great album. Yeah. So it's a pretty interesting, it's a really good album. So Kaleidoscope is when they first got Budgie and John and this band. And this is like one of those crazy legendary albums where it inspired so many other bands because of the musicianship. I'm surprised Susie doesn't really have any background in singing because she's such a good singer. Mm -hmm. I don't want to believe it. (laughs) You wouldn't think she was trained. Come on, she's like one of the most iconic voices. It's true. Yeah, definitely. She must have training at some point. Probably at some point. Don't you think a label would be like, oh, your voice is great. Let's make sure to keep it strong. (laughs) Not burn it out. Even nowadays, like her voice is there. I mean, she's come back as Susie Mm -hmm. 23 and she still sounds really, really good. And this... It's like one hit after another. <laughs> like, yeah, it's wild. It's very, very forward thinking too. Like as an album, thinking that this came out in like what 1981, and it's 41 minutes without all the extra sh- that you see on Spotify. Yeah, because there's a few extra mixes on there. Yeah, but this is what made Susie the Banshee's like legendary, and. Like I said, it inspired John Marr of the Smiths. God, I mean, Tom York, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Smashing Pumpkins. Uh, yeah, I know. It's like, that's cool. It's always fun to listen to the album that inspired other artists. It's definitely like one of the greatest albums. Yeah, if you're out there and you're like, I don't know where to start, start here <laughs> with the catalog. Start here. You will know a lot of the songs probably anyways. 
Kaleidoscope is really good, but it sometimes is a little bit hard to listen to at some points. And the older stuff is a little bit more punk rock in a uh-huh. sense. Or post-punk. Post-punk. <laughs> but yeah, you could definitely like hear the roots start here with this amazing guitarist. And it has the hits of Spellbound, Arabian Nights. We got Halloween on there. Actually, my bandmate, my friend, they're in a, a Susie and the Banshees cover band, which is an all black band. It's called Voodoo Dolly. <laughs> nice. Voodoo <laughs> Dolly was actually the one where the producer and mixers is like, I can't let you guys release a song. This is awful. And that was the whole entire point of the song. <laughs> All obnoxious and like crazy uh-huh. sounding as possible. I would almost put like Susie and the Banshees in the, the art pop genre too. Mm-hmm. Especially in their later stuff. Which um, I think she also inspired, like Bjork. Ah, uh, yeah, probably Twigs, and which is one of my favorites, current favorites. Since who inspired Susie? Who's that band? The band with the two brothers. Oh my god, I know the album's called Propaganda, but what are they called? Oh, oh, why are you making me <laughs> face out? All right, Sparks. Now. Do you think Sparks influenced Susie? They might have. You never know. I know it was Ziggy Pop, and there was a couple of other ones, too, that really inspired them. Well, they were all in that scene, if you're saying with the Sex Pistols and stuff. So they were all probably bouncing off each other. Roxy Music is another one. And Velvet Underground. Mm-hmm. So definitely, they are more along the line of just like crazy art band that made it. And you have to experiment and make new sounds and music. And I don't know. It's really good. I remember when they broke up for the final time in like what the late nineties or something like that. And they claimed they broke up because <laughs> the Ramones got back together. <laughs> I was on like MTV news or something like that. I can't find the video, but they did break up in 99, which was really sad. I mean, that's a long time together. Yeah. Well, but what you said is like as a revolving door of different musicians. Yeah. Like guitarists. Guitarists. Okay. They always have different guitarists. Robert Smith was in there for about a year or so. And I guess he helped out with more of their poppy stuff with the Dear Prudence. That's one of my favorites. Yeah. And he left because he wanted to go back with The Cure. But The Cure was always kind of like in a phase where like he didn't know if it was together or not, I guess, too. And they started The Glove, too, which was this other side project of Susie and the Banshees and Robert Smith. And I can't remember who else. Let me look. Yeah, Stephen Siren, Robert Smith, and Jeanette Landry, she sang. Oh. Yeah, it's a really interesting project, actually. Kind of sad that it never went anywhere. Excited. Well, it's an album, so that's good enough. Yeah. <laughs> that's an accomplishment. <laughs> Yeah, say the least. And then I guess he left and she's still upset with Robert Smith. She'll talk about Robert Smith to this day. So she's not friends? No, they're not really. They didn't stay friends. She just got mad, like as coworkers, like. (laughs) Still got. Not for it. Okay. Any favorite songs off this album? That's the problem. All the songs are really good. I know. They're all really good. I don't know. 
Maybe Night Shift. Mm -hmm. That's one of my favorite ones. All right. All right. We'll start with Night Shift. good definitely amazing forward thinking in every way like i said before yeah and obviously they've inspired so many artists afterwards right it, i don't know why i never really got into them i'm really annoyed with myself <laughs> i'm not getting into Susie. yeah i mean i always liked Susie, and i always respected her mm-hmm but I have like two of their albums and it's pretty good. It just didn't grab me as much as this album did. I feel the same way, even with this album to an extent. I feel like Susie is so popular and has showed up in music so much, like around. Does that make sense? Like you can go to the grocery store and Susie's playing. <laughs> yeah, you'll hear like peekaboo. Yeah, like everywhere. So I feel like maybe it just becomes so popular that. I wasn't drawn to listen to like full album ever. I always have Susie on a mix, but I never am like drawn to listen to a full album all the way through. But this album's really good. So I was glad we spent some time with it. It definitely. And probably after this is where it gets a little bit more poppy because Robert Smith joined the band and <laughs> super dark and, and pop infused. <laughs> <laughs> so that side's pretty good to listen to at times, but then sometimes you're like, oh boy, this is bit much mm-hmm. <laughs> say the least but do you have another song or no i know you pick one let's go do voodoo dolly yeah interesting song to say the least And you know she's gone. 
I could listen to that all day long. <laughs> it's so good. It is. <laughs> it is a great way to kick off Gustober. Definitely. I wish I had more time with it with both Wednesday and <laughs> <laughs> this album, actually. I listen to this album a lot, but I just feel like I still haven't scratched the surface with it. So I guess is it positive thing that is <laughs> like wednesday <laughs> yeah we haven't burned out on it yet awesome so it's exciting so we have how many weeks left of gothtober this year we got four more if we really tried <laughs> two three on Halloween, there's one on. Oh yeah, one, two, three, four. Yep, we're gonna do five Gothtober. <laughs> yes. Oh, so stay tuned. That's yeah. great. All right, let's wrap this up. You can find me at all social medias under Glitch Unicorn, and you can find me on Duolingo, Instagram, and. Spotify as Sister Santos. <laughs> oh, in Crunchyroll. <laughs> oh my god. I can't believe I'm paying for that, probably. Well, we're I check my subscriptions. Now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. See you next time. <laughs>